HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. About music with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. This is our first remote piece coming from L.A. We're going to be covering more events, more things, more people, more food out here, coast to coast, with the food that's the most. Uh, we have the infatuation dudes in the conference room in beautiful Santa Monica. A, win- a windowless conference room. A windowless conference You know, when you think of... California windowless conference room is like what they should put on the wish you were here postcards. Yeah, exactly. Um, so welcome. You guys uh, had an event last night, right? We did. It was our first ever official Los Angeles event. And how did that go? Great. We were really happy to be here, and it's just cool. A- we did a uh, we did a sushi and salad and taco party with ice cream and. All in one and, and poke. Is that how okay. you pronounce it? I can't. I get. I don't know. I don't understand. I th- I think it's poke. I think it's a pokey once. Yeah. It's pretty good. It was cool. We had a really good lineup of vendors. We had sweet green and sweet fin poke and <laughs> McConnell's ice cream and sugarfish and Mexicali tacos and yeah. How good? How good, good is Mexicali? Mexicali is terrific. I want to go there and eat. I've never been there to eat. It's awesome. It's so simple. It's so simple. Why don't you guys introduce yourself and talk about how you two met? All those was it two thousand eight, two thousand nine when you guys met? No, we met in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, something. yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm Chris. I am one half of the infatuation. I'm Andrew. I am the other half of the infatuation. It's Although now we're actually like two halves of like Lots nine of segments, yeah. so it's it's different. That's uh, that. Yeah, how many? So I'm yeah. I'm one ninth of the infatuation. We're, we're half of the original infatuation, and now there's just a lot more. Anyway, yeah, so we met, uh, Andrew and I met back in somewhere around the, the eve of the millennium um, on the set of TRL, believe it or not. Oh, uh, not Car- Carson Daly? No, no, like the heat of Carson Daly, like the hottest of hot Carson Daly when like people were lining up outside the studio. We were not actually just lining up ourselves, even though I probably would have at that time in my life. But uh, I mean, did everyone, I mean, Carson Daly was like, was it for a while. Was wanted, like, that was who we both wanted to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was why we were there, basically. Men wanted to be him. Oh, Women yeah. wanted to be the with him. Thing. The whole thing. But uh, yeah, so we met through some, I mean, we were both at the time uh, music directors at our respective college radio stations. We were still in college. So someone we knew was like filling the audience with people from college radio and we both got a phone call and then got there and we're like, oh, you seem cool. Uh, and then that was really like the beginning of our friendship, and we both ended up in New York City in 2002 after school, and then um, started marching on a path to reviewing restaurants, I guess. But not really. We kind of started in the music business first. So yeah, I mean, you guys are followed that awesome trend of music guys who got into food, which now is I don't even think a trend. I think it's just so normal that so many ex music guys wound up. Working yeah. in food in some part. Yeah, I mean, like, what drew you to that? I mean, what do you think that why that's such a natural leap these days? I think it's a similar craft almost. Like people who care about what they eat, care about what they listen to. Yeah. If, you're specific, if you're particular about one or the other, you have good taste. You have good taste. You know, and it seems that in general, you know, the people that are in the music industry and listening to to good music and they they go out and they, they find stuff. Like they also care about where they're going to eat. Well, I think the thing, too, is, like, I think it's actually, there's probably a lot of people in a lot of industries that are like, oh, you're leaving finance to go into food. I think, like, just a lot of people that are <laughs> yeah. passionate about food, like, started pursuing it, you know, sometime in the middle of the last the last decade. But, um, I mean, it definitely, you know, we have that conversation all the time and about is food the new rock, and we always say it's not. It's just that food finally hit the same pop culture status as yeah. art, music, yeah, and like, like that. You know, it's always funny. Like, it's actually kind of like the, the reason we started you know, the infatuation was like, 
It's not like a unique thing to love food, right? Like, <laughs> no, fucking everyone loves food on yeah, some your, level. Your grandma like, loves food, and that's not an insult. Yeah, you and know? like, and that was what was so funny is like we were, you know, like the word foodie to us was such a funny thing because it's like, like suddenly you're like, like congratulations, you love food. Wow, that's awesome. You gave yourself a name for it, and it's a really bad one. But it was, um, I mean, that was a big part of why. You know, we what happened was basically we were just you know, two guys that were working in the music industry and, you know, I sort of had the same group of friends and we were the two guys in our group of friends because of our jobs. We were just out all the time and yeah. you know, really passionate about restaurants and eating out. And we had, you know, shows to go to during the week and, you know, people to take out to dinner beforehand and corporate cards. We would go uh, to, like, yeah, sweet, know, sweet those days. Cards. No, but I mean, we, we were out a lot. And so our friends who were, you know, commercial real estate guys and finance guys who just weren't you know, out running around the city as, as much as we were would sort of end up calling us to be, you know, to be the people to help them find the place to take the girl they're trying to impress for dinner. And uh, and one day, literally over, you know, beers at Spitzer's Corner, which, you know, back in 2009 was the hottest shit ever. Uh, oh, my God, it was. It was, right? People hanging out the windows. There were, people were like, I think it's called the Gastropub. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we were... Am I, am I saying that right? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's English. I'm pretty sure it's English. Uh Anyway, yeah, so we were just having a conversation one day and talking about, like, why don't our friends, like, have a resource for that, you know? And yeah. Yelp was pretty, you know, still pretty new at the time, but there was already just, like, ridiculous fatigue over it, you know? And and uh, and we just thought, you know what, like, maybe we can be a resource for yeah, more people seemed, than our friends, you know? It seemed like there wasn't a resource out there for regular people to just find restaurants, right? Yeah. Not, like, you know, we were New York Magazine users, um, and... The, there were a couple things to check to, to search by like yeah. a critic's pick or whatever but I, I always wanted more right like, I was always like damn like, I just want to know like this is close to Bowery Ballroom or like maybe this is good to like see some hot girls or if you like it hot guys whatever yeah or hot girls and hot guys both right yeah. like hot people or is this a good place for your parents or whatever it is and there was nothing out there that kind of like real talk told you what the deal was and like represented yeah, and, the lifestyle of young and, and what would happen like you know like Especially, like, on the back pages of New York Magazine, which I used to use a lot, right? Like, I just moved to the city. Oh, the heat index? Well, like, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, there was, like, the back pages, and there would be, like, new restaurants and stuff. And they had, like, three sentences worth of room to dedicate towards, like, whatever that little blurb was going to be. And almost without exception, two of those sentences would reference what the the chef's name and then what other restaurant I've never heard of that he just came from. Right. So I was like, you know, we would just sort of, we would talk about it and be like... I don't really, like, I'm not trying to choose a restaurant based on this person who I'm sure is very talented, but, like, I've never heard of him, nor have I heard of the restaurant that he was at previous to that. Like, tell me why to go here, right? Like, what's the proposition? And so that was what we started trying to think through is, like, the whys of people go to restaurants, and often it's a lot more than just, I love to eat great food, so. Hey, man, it's, uh, and, you know, the thing is, though, back in the day, when money was not corporate cars or something like that, wasting a meal was always such a pain in the ass, especially when, or if you had to recommend something to someone, and you wanted to always be the guy who's like, here's a great place where you can eat, not blow your entire paycheck, and have, like, a great memory from there. Well, I think actually, like, on the site, like, one of the first blurbs we had as to, like, why you should, re- you know, why we were doing this was, like, in a city with so many great options, like, why waste, why waste it on a, you know, a meal on a mediocre place? And, like, that's so true in New York that there's just... There's no reason to go to a restaurant that isn't great because there's so many great restaurants. And so, you yeah. know, we just we just felt like if we could help people sort through those and be situationally relevant. And, like, the key also was, like, we wanted to be, like, funny and fun and, like, make it more... Because, you know, the other thing we sort of built our whole, you know, thesis around was, like, reading a New York Times review and then seeing the word toothsome in there and being like, what does that even mean? Like, Unctuous. 
Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. And you're just like, um, I don't understand what that means. I don't know that that thing you ate that was toothsome, is that bad? Is it good? Did you lose a tooth? What happened? Like That chocolate just yeah. ripped my teeth out. Um, yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but real quick, from back in the day, favorite restaurant that you had that was like your go-to recommendation as everything was getting started? I went, I always, like Freeman's was just one of those special places for me yeah. to send everybody there. Yeah, mine was the Blue Ribbon Brasserie because that was just such a good like late night spot and so special and still is quite frankly. I did Saw Bar. Nice. Yeah. I was like, yeah. if you want, bef- this was like right after I switched from doing the Korean burritos. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, I want that New York experience. I was like, must. East Village, go there. Um, what's so that's funny? It's all like top. I, I, was I, saying, I know. All I know. Of those restaurants are still the exact same but, thing. But that's, that's what's great about it. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're gonna play a quick song.
Uh, so with the infatuation guys here, we are out in LA, and um, you know, you guys started in 2009, and recently, I mean, with the hashtag the five E's, always, always five E's, eats and everything. You guys have really set, had a tipping point, which yeah. I know is another. Well, yeah, big a big part of that tipping point was us. You know, we we built this thing for five years while, yeah. while we had full time jobs while we were working in the music business, and then last, side hustle, side hustle, and Love so it. it got to the point where it was undeniable what we needed to. We knew that to see this through, and we needed to put our full attention towards it to hopefully have it become what we always hoped it could become. Yeah. Um, so we left our jobs last April and kind of like really started to fuel the fire, and that's kind of where the the, the the quicker rise started. Um, yeah, and I think like what you're getting at too is that we also, you know, we've always tried to be smart about how we reach people with, you know, you know, we, we always kind of knew like community was going to be a big part of this and, you know, we don't have commenting on the site for, for, for reason, you know, we didn't want people to just sort of like be able to jump in right after you spend, you know, days and days crafting an excellent restaurant review and then some asshole at the end of it's like, Sucks, sucks. You all suck. And whoever just read, like, I would see that. I would read the, read things sometimes, and some asshole would totally change the way I thought about it because he made a stupid comment. So we felt like we wanted to engage the community, but we wanted to do it in you know smart ways. And so when we launched in whatever it was twenty you know two thousand nine two thousand ten, when Twitter was sort of really becoming yeah. you know top of mind and regular people were using it, we really got into Twitter and started using that to connect with people and to build community and to just talk to people. And that was where the conversation happened for us, rather than on. Uh, the website itself and so the next sort of evolution of that was Instagram when it came around and we sort of saw that as another opportunity and quite honestly a better one because food is so visual and you know it was a better place to sort of really engage and so that was really what you know started a sort of next phase of what we what we are now and kind of led us to where we are now as we decided to do you know use Instagram as as our next community building tool and that's what led us to the eats hashtag uh, why five E's? Where the first was like one, two, why three, not? four. Why not five E's? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the more ridiculous, the better. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and it was a, it's, it's, a brand, it's a branding thing, right? It was like to us, it was one of those things where it's you know, it was like let's you know, we knew that like people weren't going to be super excited about tagging their photos with like instafatuation or like right, something like that, right. you know? And so no, it's it's totally fun and it's totally. I mean, yeah, like who doesn't want to just be like eats? How many and. What's the number at right now for how many photos have been tagged? Over, over a million. Yeah, over a million. We're cranking right now. You're too. cranking. I mean, we're, because doing, we're doing like almost, we were doing up to like 10,000 a day. The, the, one of the funniest things and like the coolest things I heard somebody say to me, which, a younger person than us, which is even better, uh, <laughs> when someone found out that we had created Eats, they were like, wait a minute, I thought that was just a thing like TBT. And I was like, that's pretty crazy when that's, it's sort of come in, like to some people, it's just part of the language of Instagram, which but is, it is, yeah. And that's, that's a phenomenally crazy thing to think about. But I would um, say when you tag a f- good food photo now, you just put, throw that on there. Yeah. And it's it. great. The quality is really good too. Like the quality of the eats in general compared to most other food hashtags that are really big is really, really, really good. One million, uh, 61, 1,061,520. That's what we're at. A lot, 61, of, a lot. 61, it's a lot. There's a lot. That's a lot. Of That's a lot. It's but bigger than us. It's become bigger than us. Like, isn't it nice though? It's isn't it nice to sort of have something become bigger than you? Yeah, and, it, and it helps. You know, you, we were able to fuel it in the beginning by really giving people a voice and like making it almost a competition so that we, they could get regrammed on our account and always our oh, yeah the our, our, we, you know like our our whole proposition always has been that like 
listen, this is representing a group of people. Like, the infatuation is about everyone. It's not just about me and Chris. It's about everybody who just likes to go eat and have a good time and, like, live a good, yeah. good fun life. And, like, by giving people a voice and offering people a slot on our, you know, Instagram, they all got really excited and people got fired up when they got regrams and you kind of realize that this is something that people want. And Well, and I think, like, even, like, to us, it was just, like, proof of the way we the way we think about things that you know that food is something that should be fun and not stuffy and not like you know for elite people who are chefs or home chefs or went to culinary you know it should yeah. be for everybody and like that's really the the real sort of like the way we approach everything we do and so to see you know we literally talked about it like let's just literally get people to tag their photos with it's like it's so just good. it's just a silly thing but it's fun and it's not you know it's not it's sort of like it just makes it like accessible almost right like everyone can participate and so to see it blow up like that to us was just like proof of like the way we're thinking about things is is right that like people just yeah. want to have fun and like food's a fun thing and it doesn't need to be so like top heavy from you know culinary perspective and like there's a role for all of those places like we always talk about like we're not Bon Appetit and we're not the New York Times and those are both great you know institutions. amazing institutions yeah. that we love and read and respect a lot but like we just think we kind of represent the more you know the more casually interested but still very interested person that loves food and loves to eat but maybe has no idea how to like you know cook a ribeye or yeah. you know really has no idea what, what sous vide even is right like and you know, so for us, the, the Instagram thing was just an extension of what we've been doing, and it's been an amazing one. It's been a great way for us to reach people, and it's just been really cool to watch it grow. It's so awesome. Now, speaking of growth, you guys are in a bunch of other cities, but recently you launched in L.A., which is awesome and speaks a lot to the L.A. culinary movement, which has been happening over the last few yeah. years. People have always been New York versus San Francisco, and I think L.A. is, is coming up from behind uh, on San Francisco. Oh, definitely. Um, what made you decide to move out here, and, and how how often were you coming out here, and where were you eating before you made that decision to, to launch? Um, we were coming, I mean, look, just because of the music business stuff, we were both out here a lot, just because, you know, Andrew was at Warner Brothers, which is headquartered out here. Um, I was at Atlantic, and, you know, had, I mean, you even see it, like, you know, kind of playing into all of this stuff is, like, look, we're three New Yorkers sitting in a conference room in Los Angeles, like... <laughs> You know, creatives especially are, are having to leave New York because it's so expensive. It's and crazy. So, yeah. And that's true for San Francisco as well. Yeah. And so Los Angeles is not cheap, but certainly, like, you can live on the east side and have a house, and it's probably a, be a better lifestyle than if you're living in some small, you know, apartment in bed -Stuy. Like, yeah. at least you can go outside here. So, it's, uh, yeah, especially, I mean, it's... it's the difference is not so apparent now. Give it, like, six months. Yeah, I, totally, yeah. And I so I think, like, the thing is is just that we always, just because of our music business background, had a huge amount of friends out here and connections and people that had been reading the site for a really long time. And that wasn't true for San Francisco or Chicago or Denver or any other places we launched. So it would also, you know, it, we wanted to get out here and we wanted to make sure that we did it right. And so that's actually why we kind of waited for a beat and we didn't sort of rush right to Los Angeles second, uh, just because we wanted to make sure that we got it right. So, um, yeah, and it took a while to find the writers and all that stuff, but we really, you know, we we launched it, you know, really technically this week, and it, you know, feels like we, we got it right, we hope, so. Awesome, and so where are you eating out here? What are you liking out here? Here we go this week. We've been on a little bit of a Greatest Hits tour. Um, it's pretty fun. You know, we have all uh, four writers out here who are covering L.A. for us, um, and they're, they've been kind of putting us, setting up a nice little schedule. We went to Night Market 
mm. song, which was... Shout out to Chris. Yeah, which was fantastic. Uh, we had a really good meal there. I had my first Apple Pan burger, which I was pretty excited about. Yeah. Not the best burger in the world by any stretch of the imagination. Cool However, LA experience, though. A very cool LA experience, and, and I would definitely eat that burger again. The uh, the Night Market song thing was such a funny, like, LA, but also just sort of like a statement as to, like, where we all are, is we were all at this, you know, big table, and... Uh, it was actually one of our uh, one of our employees' birthdays, and we were kind of hanging out and having a good time. And then, like the whole place, like stopped, and like people started chattering and buzzing. And like it was because John and Vinny had walked in the room, uh, and everybody was just like, "Oh, oh my God, it's them!" And it was so funny because you would have like that. It's just funny that these two dudes are like on that level now, where like they walk into a restaurant, and the whole place is just like, <gasps> "Dude, I can't wait for their new place, which is yeah. going to be like half a block down yeah. from Song." No, it's great. So it was just funny, but that's a good look. That's a good example as to like why we wanted to be here. Is like people are really excited about great restaurants. Yeah, guys like John and Vinny have really made this you know really amazing name for themselves and built a, a cool thing. And you know, not that I don't know. Like we go to San Francisco, and there's great restaurants in San Francisco, and there's obviously people that. Uh, you know, like love food, and it's always been such an amazing food city. But um, it's kind of cool to see like a place like LA where there's a, a really such a wide diversity, right? Yeah. Like, you know, San Gabriel Valley is like a whole thing in itself, and uh, the ethnic food here is great, and like the you know the high end food is great, and the you know, sort of lowbrow food is great. So it's been cool, but it's also meant that we've had to approach it completely differently because, oh, yeah. well, yeah, because like if you know when it was Andrew and I like reviewing restaurants in New York, like geographic location for either of us wasn't a problem. It's not like I was going to go to the Upper West Side because I lived, like, 20 blocks north of Andrew. Is You can kind of move around where you want yeah. to. But, but here, like, we needed someone that could be the San Gabriel Valley person and mm-hmm. also someone that could be, like, the Santa Monica, Venice, like, West Side person because those people don't no, no, no. move back and forth that much. And so that was actually a big challenge for us is trying to figure out, like, do we have enough people in each geographic location to make it, to kind of make it work? Um, and do we have the right people that know, like, because you have to, like, you know, Jonathan Gold's out here. Like, if you're going to propose to people that you're going to be a great resource, you have to be able to do the kind of stuff that he does, which is go to these places in San Gabriel Valley that have great, you know, Dan Dan noodles or whatever it is. Yeah. But you also have to be able to go to, you know, the new place out here, Cassia, that is the guy from the Spice Table that those people care about, too. So, and it's not usually the same person that does both of those things. Well, I want to thank you guys. Thank I know you. you guys are super busy. No, it was great. great Nothing to be like. Thank you for showing beautiful LA. <laughs> yeah, you I mean the view from this room is just. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. We have a really. Uh, it's really like fresh and high tech. It's a, I think it's a 16 inch Philips. Oh man! Uh, actually, LCD television. The I think future. Is, the future is now. Yeah. Um, so website, Instagram, Facebook. What's the best way people to find you? What do you? What's your preference? Is it Instagram? Well, I mean, look, you know, come to the site, theinfatuation.com. That's where all the, you know, all the good stuff is and the, the stuff we write. But Instagram and actually Snapchat's been really big for us, too. So follow oh, us really? at Infatuation TV. Yeah, we're having fun with that. Awesome. Awesome. And how long are you guys going to be out in L.A. for? You know, we're here until some of us are going back Friday, some of us are going back Sunday. But we'll be back and forth a ton. I mean, we, we'll, be, we'll be here a lot. So next time we'll do this with Windows. Oh, awesome. We'll do it on the beach, drinking some, like, rum something. Yeah, great. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, guys.
We got Waltz live in studio. Welcome, boys. Hello, thank you. Uh, it's good to have you here on this uh, early August breezy weekend. Um, what's really great about the project uh, is that there's a really strong aesthetic that comes with what you're doing, and I'm curious where that comes from and what some of your influences are. Um, I suppose it's uh, from certain theatrics. I'm not sure. Um, I like uh, sequins and and, and uh, extravagant garments, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, for more, more than anything, it's just to have a bit of fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know that you part of the upcoming release in the fall is a feature-length film. Where did the inspiration for that come, and how did you put that together uh, in connection with the album? Well, the album was done first. We tracked. Um, upstate New Paltz with uh, Kevin McMahon and we uh, so we had like 12 tracks and then we uh, started to develop video content and then it sort of grew into this monstrosity 
um, 65 minute VHS film so it sort of started with a small piece and then eventually um, became much bigger you know what was the decision to jump from like okay we'll do a small thing to like yeah we're gonna just set this whole thing to, to video hmm yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things that just sort of happened over time as it developed. I, it felt a little cheap to just put off a couple tracks as videos. We felt more inspired to make a, a full-length sort of body of work that we could sort of, you know, really tell a few different stories in, in, instead of just kind of making videos for the singles. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a, a few clips for the upcoming movie, but what are the what are some of the stories that you're focusing on? For the videos, or what's the narrative that you're telling? Yeah, it's a little strange. I suppose essentially it's a it's a workout exercise manual, um, sort of set in 1984. Uh, so it's one of those uh, th- sort of throwback pop. Um, yeah, co- it's a collection, I suppose, of, of, of uh, VHS is essentially the the focus point for me. It was like really sort of creating something that was a piece of time you know and something that i appreciated from that era like i I like those old really hyper cheesy visuals that come with the 80s you know so Mm -hmm. we kind of essentially built this 65 minute um version of that uh any particular favorite exercises that came from that or exercises that didn't work that didn't (laughs) make the cut well the uh (laughs) the um the I'm trying to think of the name of the tool. The Thighmaster was one of the highlights for me, personally. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was exciting. It's actually quite difficult. Is it really? Oh, yeah. They make it look so easy on no, TV. No, it's not easy at all. It's very What's, difficult. What are some of the tips for using the Thighmaster as um, a pro now? <laughs> control, I suppose, yeah. Um, well, they're just, they're not very stable. It's very sort of, you know, you'd imagine that it would just be a matter of sort of control and motion and it's not the case. It's the things are very, very janky. You end up sort of doing more damage than good. And I'm, this is not uh, supporting the thigh master in any way. But I, I, uh, I do. You know, it was it was a good thing to try. It looks good. That's the main thing for us. It was it was more of a visual. Visually, it's stunning. Rid- I would think that the rubber on the skin would hold it in place. Yeah, but then you get sweaty. You see, and then it starts to slide out of place, and then you, you know, and then it just it ends up like like a spring. Yeah, actually quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, why don't we hear a hear a song, and why don't you tell us what uh, exercise our listeners should be doing while listening to the song? Well, why not try the thigh master to this one? Okay, great. Uh, and you're listening to Waltz live on Snacky Tunes.
Awesome. Hope no one got injured out there with a thigh master. Me too. Uh, so I know that you recorded the record upstate. Uh, what was the process like and being a bit removed from the, the city and putting the record together? It was the middle of winter and miserable <laughs> in that sense. Although great at the same time. However, it was very uh, cold. Um, so it was, we, we, ended up, we were tracking the tape, which is just not worth it. Um, but... Yeah, so you, we had like 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out, just to kind of warm up uh, mm-hmm. physically. But uh, it was one of those things where we, uh, we, we, you know, we dealt with it. It was just very, very cold. Uh, <laughs> and the producer had budgets on heat, heat allowance. Really? Yeah, he wasn't really too comfortable. He kept on... We'd, we'd, he'd come back. We were sleeping there. It was a, it's a barn, so it's a large barn. And we'd How long we got there, there for? About a week, I think. Um, and he would sort of sneak back in and just check if we had the heaters on or not because he is a like dead of the night. Like would walk in and just see if the oh yeah, just popping in just to make sure you know. Like hey guys, brought you some beers and uh, just want to make sure that just, yeah. yeah, it looks. We agreed at seventy two. It looks like it's at seventy eight. We're just gonna knock this. Uh, no, he just he basically wouldn't allow it to be on in the first place. So. But it was one of those old you know those really expensive. Yeah, electric ones, so. Uh, but for, I mean, saying recording to tape, I mean, now having gone through the process, you say it's not worth it now and that you, if you did do it all again, you would just go digital or it was good to do? And It's good to go. I mean, we were under the impression that we were, we were listening to mixes from the tape sessions and it wasn't until like a few months ago that we were, that the producer was like, you know, these are all digital bouncers. Oh. And we're like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, well... <laughs> Yeah, your tape was shedding and it wasn't worth. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell us. Oh, you didn't. You didn't let us know. But uh, yeah, so I mean, in comparison, I think it's it was good exercise-wise <clears throat> to uh, have the 15 minute sort of blocks, you know, where you sort of on and then you can sort of, you know, it's more pr- uh, execution-based performance for me, you know, as in like we're rolling, you know, as you got 15 minutes to to do a job and then you can, you know, reset. So that was good. I mean, the digital recording process, I haven't really delved in too, too deeply um, in, a, in a big like sort of production sense. Um, but having unlimited time sometimes can be dangerous, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that constraints really push creativity. So, you know, recording a tape in the dead of winter probably is a little bit different, different than like summer, upstate, digital, just like long, lazy days type of vibe. Yeah, although that sounds good. <laughs> it, yeah, it's second one. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do think that there is something about the cold that just really just, you know, accelerates, like, hunkering down and really kind of diving into it as opposed to, like, just a lazy, endless kind of meandering of time. Yeah, it's definitely it's time to show up and work, and, and that was that was good. That we, you know, we got, a, we got a good result because of that, you know? How many uh, takes were you able to do per song given the according to tape? I think we, we tried for like four or five. Um, you know, you generally, we got a good, we had a clue, you know, when, when you know, we had a good idea when we, uh, when we, when we had something we liked, we, we moved on, maybe got another try, but then we generally just kind of kept it moving, you know. Got it. Um, all right, well, let's hear another song. All right. Uh, what is the exercise to be done to this one? The exercise to be done to this one is what? Cross-dressing. 
cross dressing. Oh, excellent exercise. That's a that is a a very tasty exercise. Yeah. Five. 
Who's Caroline? Ooh, <laughs> Caroline is um fictional character, I suppose. Um, Caroline is a mess. <laughs> yeah, Caroline is a she's a beautiful lady, um, but a a lady of mystery and a lady of wealth. But uh, she's a definite mess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you have a show coming up August 12th. What can the audience expect? Yeah, we're playing um, at Rough Trade August 12th. The audience can expect some entertainment. Um, it should be a good night. We're, we're really excited about it. We've, we've, um, yeah, we've, got a, we've got a fun show that we're excited to you know bring is there a, if you can encourage the audience to participate in any way how would you expect them or what would you ask of them um well i suppose yeah what, what would you suggest ian Just maybe some g-bangers and yeah you can bring your own weights bring bring weights g-bangers and thigh masters we will have an aerobics um, prelude, and uh, we will uh, we will basically be uh, be uh, scrapping the show and 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 working out. It's the biggest hustle. There's actually just show up with just a suitcase full of weights. Yeah, that's that is it. If you show up with a suitcase full of weights, we will let you in for nothing. Oh, and you can join us on stage. That is a. That's a good deal. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have, <laughs> we have time to get one more uh, song in. But uh, when can people expect the record out and the the film out, and how can they uh, follow along to make sure they don't miss it? Well, we're going to put the film and record out in in full. So you know, late sort of September, October, um, and yeah, you can follow us online. We've got a bunch of um, websites that you can surf. And gather gather important information, um, and uh, yeah, we're basically yeah. You, you can you can track us down on there, and then you know, never, where, where never, is that? Never miss a beat. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, the name, oh, the <laughs> name of the Facebook. What is it right now? Jeez, we're on Facebook. <laughs> All right, we've well, established that we are. I think it's I am Waltz. Okay. It's the Facebook uh, landing page. And you can go down the rabbit hole from there. You can definitely find it out. Or you can go to Waltz for Life with a four, not a F. L-Y-F-E, just yeah. to make sure you... Totally miss it. You can't up. find it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Emily for helping set this up. Thank you to The Infatuation. Shout out to Darren, Anna, Ornella, Mom, Dad, Joe whoever else is out there. Uh, what are you going to take us out with? This is a new song called Water Park, and it features a fourth member, and she sounds like this.
seems to have lost his leg but apparently he's keen to sign on for the second season China listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.